Um, what a privilege and honor to be here. Um, it's been uh, a long time coming because I've been wanting to visit you. Uh, your church is an incredible church, and I'm just so excited to be with you. Those of you who are joining online and from Kutztown, it's an honor to be with you as well. Uh, I want to thank Pastor Brian for just his kind invitation for me to be here. Um, I know you were expecting somebody older, is that correct? <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I heard, and uh, me too. Um, but uh, anyway, how many of you know God uses unlikely people and weak people to do his work? And, uh, you know, it's not a matter of us, but it's a matter of what God wants to do in and through our lives through his call. Amen. And uh, so it's great to be with you, and I look forward to sharing uh, the word here. Let's turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verse 28 to 39. Um, many of you are very familiar with this scripture. Uh, as I read through, you're going to be like, oh, I know that one. Oh, I know that one too. Uh, there's several scriptures that are very often quoted, and uh, I want to kind of unpack this for us this morning. So Romans chapter 8, verse 28 to verse 39. It says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Would you say amen to that? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer and we'll get to the word. Lord, we thank you this morning. I pray that you would speak to us. Would you touch our lives? Lord, we know that you are working supernaturally in our lives. We know that there are forces of darkness trying to hinder your work.
but we are more than conquerors because of your supernatural power in us, Lord. So I pray that this morning as we take a moment to just um, delve into your word, I pray that you would touch our hearts, touch our lives. I pray that we would not go home the same way we came. I'm not worthy to stand here, but I pray that by your grace that you would speak life and your word into our hearts. May it pierce our hearts that it would bring transformation. We thank you, Lord. Be with us this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Um, I know that when I travel and they introduce me as the president of Valley Forge and I usually step up, um, usually they're wondering, what is he? <laughs> okay. Is he from the Far East? Um, what nationality, what culture, what background is he? So I'm going to put that question to rest by telling you that my parents are from Korea, okay? And so uh, I have Korean heritage, but I don't really don't know Korea at all, okay? Um, I, my, my cultural background and my understanding uh, of my heritage is very limited. Um, I actually grew up in Ghana, West Africa, okay? Um, I don't know if any... Africans are here, okay, um, thank you, thank you, um, God bless you, I'm from Ghana, West Africa, my parents were missionaries, okay, and so um, all my childhood memories and experiences was in Ghana, West Africa, from there I moved to, um, my parents moved us to um, Fort Lee, Northern Jersey in an all Italian town, <laughs> think about that for a moment. Hmm, Asian guy, African accent, all Italian town, northern New Jersey. Just, just picture that for a moment, okay? Yes, it is hilarious. I think God has a sense of humor. Okay, um, from there, my parents, um, you know, was doing missions work in Dominican Republic. And uh, after uh, middle school, we moved, of all places, the northwest Okay, Washington State, not D.C., State, okay? So I went to high school 30 minutes from Portland, Oregon. I was one of two Asians of 600 white kids, okay? And uh, I still had a little bit of remnant of the African English accent. So you do the math, okay? What my experiences of life up to then was like. Uh, from there, we moved back to the East Coast. My parents came back. They were church planters at that point. And uh, the Eastern, you know, Northeast Regional School for the Assemblies of God was Valley Forge. And so I attended Valley Forge. And so I'm actually an alum of Valley Forge. I graduated 19, uh, yeah. Um, I know you're trying to date me. You're like, how old is this guy? Those of you who thought I was young, to be president, the Lord bless you. Abundant blessing upon your life. If you, thought, if you think I'm old enough, eh, somewhat blessing for you. Okay, but, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I attended Valley Forge. From there, uh, I moved on to New York City to a pretty large organization, local church that had a global wing. And I got to build schools uh, all over Latin America. So I spent most of my adult ministry in Latin America and New York City. And uh, eventually I moved my family to Ecuador, which I'll tell you a little bit about later. And so it's been, uh, it's been a whirlwind of experiences in life that God has taken me through. And uh, I have planned every one of those moves. 
Yes, I, when I was born, I said, I'm going to live in Africa until I'm 13. I'm going to go to northern New, Jer uh, New Jersey for middle school. And then, yeah, I planned all of that. How many of you know that God takes you through experiences in life, locations, meetings with people, experiences that sometimes we don't anticipate or even desire to experience, but sometimes life takes us through those things. I also know that a lot of decisions in life, um, yes, there are consequences to our own decisions, good or bad. Sometimes other people make those decisions for us, don't they? Okay, whether your parents or friends or whatever it is, their choices have an impact on our lives. But also sometimes just this broken world has a way of giving you experiences that you did not anticipate. And so whether experiences, people, locations, whatever it is, it seems that oftentimes there are unplanned events that transpire in our lives. And we begin to question and wonder if God is really in control. God, what are you doing? Are you really working things out? And it says in verse 28 here, this wonderful verse, it says, God works all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. Now, I love this scripture, and I've been told all my life, kind of, okay, where it said that if you would just follow Jesus, come to church, tithe, love Jesus, that God will work everything out for you. I've been told that before, and uh, the truth of the matter is that kind of teaching is not biblical. Actually, the Bible promises that in this world, we will have many troubles, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Uh, when you are following Jesus, you're going to experience life just like everybody else. There's brokenness in this world. This is not our home. Amen. We are passing through. And if our neighbor experiences terminal illness, we're not exempt from experiencing terminal illness. If somebody's going through a difficult time of a job loss, we're not exempt from those troubles of life. But the Lord does promise in his word that God will never leave us or forsake us, that God will help us through those circumstances. And then it says in the scripture that God will work all things for the good of those who love him. The question is, what is that good? Don't you wanna know what that good is? Well, verse 28 is never meant to be read apart from verse 29 and rest of the chapter. It's important that as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, that we don't take the, uh, certain words and passages out of its context and put our own thoughts and ideas into the text. We have to allow the text to speak for itself. And what this scripture is talking about in verse 28 cannot be read outside of reading verse 29. Verse 29 says, and this is, we don't like this in the assemblies of God because it uses languages like foreknowledge, predestination. Oh. Yeah, I said it. You're like, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? You'll see, okay? Um, but foreknowledge and predestination. What is this predestined idea? It's basically no more than God's preordained plan for your life. 
How many of you are glad this morning that God is not just doing random things, but that God is working throughout history, his purposes, and God has a plan for you and for me, that God wants to do something in your life, and God has prepared this life, and God has prepared the experiences of your life, so that God would do what? It says here in the scripture, to conform you into the image of the Son, to conform you into the image of Christ. That word conform is from the root word in Greek, morphe. It's where we get the word metamorphosis. It's conforming, transforming. It's actually like a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. It's actually transforming you from the inside out. It's to transform you and change you. How many of you are glad this morning that God is in the business of transforming lives? We're talking about supernatural encounters in the last few weeks and a few weeks to come. God is doing supernatural work and encountering us through his provision and his providence to transform us into the image of the Son. Now, how many of you watch HGTV. Please confess your sins this morning. Some of you are addicted. My wife is addicted to HGTV. We have gotten rid of cable. We've gotten rid of TV. Okay, and uh, my wife has been delivered since then. Okay, but here's the thing. How many of you know Joanna Gaines? Magnolia, Fixer Upper, Okay, um, if you don't know who Joanna Gaines is, please don't get to know her. It will totally distract your life away from Christ because you will spend countless hours of watching her and you don't even know why. Okay, and you're gonna be sucked into a vortex that you can't get out of without the supernatural deliverance of God. Okay, but anyway, that's besides the point. But the reality is how many of you love watching remodeling shows, right? I don't know what it is, I love it. It's so like therapeutic, refreshing. People taking old homes, moving walls around, repainting, you know, totally transforming the house is something beautiful and something new. I want you to know something that this metamorphosis is actually way beyond just moving some walls, open kitchen, open living room. It's so much more than just fixing some things in your house. This is actually demolishing the very foundation that the house is built on. That everything that's been built on that foundation is completely demolished so that our lives would be built upon a new foundation that is in Christ Jesus upon the solid rock of Jesus to rebuild a new home, a new life in Christ. I want you to know this morning that God is in the business of doing this work in your life, not only the, in the business of saving your life, but sanctifying your life and also giving you a purpose to be used for his glory, for his work. How many of you are glad this morning that God doesn't just save us, but he's changing us and conforming us into the image of Christ and God wants to also use your life for his purposes. This is what God does, and that's what that scripture means. And so when God says, I am working all things for the good of those who love him, who love me, 
He's talking about transforming your life into the image of Christ. But here's the thing. And um, it's bad news and good news. The bad news is God will use circumstances of your life to bring about this good. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's never just the good. God uses all circumstances. Now, um, I grew up, as I told you, as a missionary's kid. Okay, all I've known is the Christian world. Okay, I graduated from seminary before I was born. I have picture to prove it. When my father was graduating from seminary, I was in my mother's womb. And so I can proudly proclaim that I got a seminary degree before my, you know, before I was born. Uh, all my life, I, I must have heard thousands of messages. I must have heard thousands of hymns. We, we are, my dad only sang hymns, so that's, that's, that's what I grew up on, okay? And, uh, and uh, I had no idea that I did not know, know God. I had no idea that the love of Christ was not really known in my heart until I actually came to Valley Forge. And, and there's mandatory chapels, okay? And we still have it today. And uh, I had no idea that the countless times that the speakers were coming, the power of the Holy Spirit is working in my life. And the second semester of my sophomore year, the Lord touched me in one of those chapels and overwhelmed me with the presence of God. And I couldn't move from the seat for five hours. I still remember it. And, uh, and uh, the Lord put me on a different trajectory in my life where I was living for him. Uh, but back then when I surrendered my life to God because I experienced his presence and his love that Christ surrendered his life for me, I had no idea what my life would entail. At that point, I was thinking like, hey, I surrendered my life to Christ. God, it's going to be awesome. Okay, I was 20. I was like, it's, my life is going to be so awesome. It's going to be great. Everything's going to work out. Everything, you know, I'm going to marry a beautiful wife, which I did. I'm going to have a great family, great ministry. This is going to be great. I had no idea after committing to my life to Christ that my father, who served the Lord for 38 years, okay, would be diagnosed with leukemia. And for eight years, he would suffer. Now, I told you I was in a pretty large organization, um, 5,000 people just in the local church, and that's not including all the other congregations that we were pastoring and leading. And uh, when you're in a big organization like this one, uh, there are two things that are guaranteed that you will do. One, you'll spend a lot of time in the hospital. Okay, a lot of deaths, a lot of sickness, you'll see. Number two, a lot of babies. <laughs> okay, constant baby dedications we did. Um, but the reason why I tell you that is because I've seen a lot of gruesome pain and suffering. But in my, all my years of ministry and life, I have never seen the kind of suffering my father experienced. And I was asking God, Lord, what are you doing? 38 years. I've seen my dad, one of the most humble servants, Firsthand, I've seen him sleeping in the jungles of Kumasi in West Africa and serving the natives. I have seen him sacrifice his life for you. And yet, this is the way his life is going to end. He passed away at age 58, losing his battle to leukemia. I had no idea that after committing my life to Christ in that chapel, that my second daughter... Um, would be diagnosed with epilepsy. 
I remember um, planting uh, our second church in New York City. And by the way, um, Pastor Brian and GT was actually, you guys supported us. And uh, I remember uh, planting that church and having this incredible meeting, spiritually fervent. The presence of God was experienced. I would come home and then I would experience, at that point, um, my daughter would go into seizure and uh, she would not come out of it. And we had to call the ambulance and I was holding my daughter's head and she would just not come out of it. And uh, I remember asking the Lord, what is going on? The more it goes, there could be some damage. Thank God she came out of it. But, but in that moment, I was asking God, where are you? I had no idea that I would experience it. I had no idea that after moving my family to Ecuador for business's mission, um, I was exporting cacao beans. I had this passion for uh, helping the supply chain, the oppressive su supply chain of, of uh, agro-commodities. And uh, I traded cacao beans and coffee and different kinds of things. And, uh, and coming back, uh, we were very successful. We were doing well. God's vision was being met and we were excited for the future. I was coming back home uh, from the farm and um, I was so tired. I had my driver, my assistant drive. He was young, inexperienced. And uh, there was a two narrow lanes and uh, the oncoming traffic swerved into our lane. And instead of my driver, if he was experienced, he would just slow down to give chance for that, that car to swerve back in. Um, but he jerked right. And the, when he jerked right, he hit the only tree for 45 miles. My other assistant went back and, and looked and said, you, you can't believe this. There was only one tree at the side of the road, and it was at the exact time going almost 60 miles per hour, you jerked, and you, the pickup truck wrapped around the tree and crushed the right side of the pickup truck, and it actually crushed my face. And uh, I have actually three screws in my cheekbones. This is in 2013. It's not that long ago. And uh, I lost my right eye. This is actually not my eye. It's acrylic. It's plastic. And uh, my eye got crushed. I had a lot of reconstructive surgery back then to get right. I lost not only my vision, but vision I had in Latin America. Um, I lost everything. My business, everything. Because we had to come back to the States. I remember being in a two-bedroom apartment with my brother, his family of five. He was, a, he was a poor youth pastor. My family of six. I remember keeled over the other other bedroom asking, where are you, God? What in the world is going on? But you know what I want to share with you? That the promises of God are real. During those times, the growth that took place in my life of the demonstration of the supernatural encounter of God's nearness and the sovereignty of God, and the lessons learned, and the transformation that took place, not only in my life, but in my family's life. I would never trade all of those experiences. You don't have to feel sad for my dad. My dad is with Jesus. My daughter, even though she's going through some difficult times, you don't have to worry about her because we are passing through. We're going to be in eternity with Christ. As long as I'm here, no matter what I'm facing, I can face it because we know the supernatural workings of God is among us. His presence is with us. The fact that a wretched person like me would be loved by God, that God desires to transform me, is the supernatural workings of God. He is at work. 
don't be discouraged this morning about what you're going through and how are you, what you're going through in life. God is with you. And whenever I hear messages like this from the speaker, the question is, then how? How can we put our trust in God when we're facing very challenging and difficult circumstances? And this passage answers that question. It is not, hey, have more passion for God. Hey, have more faith in God. Yeah, that's part of it, but that's not the essence of what makes it possible to trust in the one who has called us. Let's look at this scripture really quick. Verse 31 and verse 32, it says this. It says in verse 31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And here's a key verse here. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? I want you to know this morning that... Paul is amazing in Romans. It's kind of like, um, you know, if you see great boxers, you know how they do the jabs, setting you up for the hook, right? I mean, have you seen Muhammad Ali and his clips? It's a master jabber setting you up in distance control to land the final blow, right? In Romans, you see Paul jabbing. And in verse 32, deliver the punch, the punch is, God did not spare his own son and gave him up for us all. Now, I, tell, I didn't tell you yet, but I actually have four children. My oldest is 18 years old. He just, she just went off to college. And she did not come to Valley Forge. Hold on. I'm sorry. My daughter said to me, Daddy, you are my principal in my grade school. You're not going to be my college president. I'm sorry. Okay, I said, all right, I respect that. Okay. Um, she went to another school. I'm not happy about it. I'm still praying. There's a window of transfer this, this coming January. I'm praying that you'll transfer. Okay, I'm still praying. Would you fast and pray with me that this happens? Praise God. Okay, I have a second daughter, 17, third daughter, 15, and my son is seven, okay? He was actually born in Ecuador when we were living down there. And so if you, um, he actually has an Ecuadorian passport. And so when he was born, um, he was born in uh, Ecuador, and if you were to ask him uh, where he's from, he would, with boldness, tell you, I'm Ecuadorian, Think about that for a moment. <laughs> Asian, American, now he's saying he's Ecuadorian. He's going to have identity issues. Please pray for him that God takes care of him. And uh, what's amazing about him is the rest of us are really boring. Okay, my daughters, myself, we're just really boring people, but I don't know what happened. But he is full of life, full of joy. He loves people, and he literally dances wherever he goes. I think it's all the water that my wife drank in Ecuador when she was pregnant with him, but I don't know. I'm just here. Okay, 
Hey, I do a lot of uh, speaking in Hispanic churches just because of my connection and my affinity. And uh, oftentimes when I'm in Hispanic churches, I always ask, hey, anybody from Guatemala, anybody from Costa Rica, anybody? And they're all like, you know, raising their hand. And when I come to Ecuador, anybody from Ecuador, my, my, my son will be playing his video game. All of a sudden he'll put his aside. He will stand straight up. I'm from Ecuador. <laughs> Not only does he stand straight up, he does this. He looks around the room to see if there's any other Ecuadorians. And when he spots one, he'd be like. <laughs> he would do this and he'd be like, and then he would just go back to his game. It's the craziest thing. Okay, he's hilarious and he's a lot of fun. He has three teenage sisters and a mom. You know what that means? Four moms. When he gets hurt, everything goes into chaos. At our home, you'll see our girls rushing to him. Okay, all of a sudden, the girls are like, oh, Eli, Eli. Every time this happens, I'm like rushing. Something really bad happened. And in the midst of the pile on by our girls and my wife, he will rise up from the, you know, pile. And we go, hi, daddy. I have a little scratch. And I'm like, oh, God. Please pray for my son. How many of you know with your kids, you don't want even the little scratch. It still hurts you. Amen. How many of you with your children, you would never put your kids in harm's way. Is that right? We are imperfect parents and we still feel this way, correct? But I want you to know that the relationship our God the Father had with Jesus was perfect love. Perfect love. Think about that for a moment. And yet, the scripture says God did not spare his own son. Let me tell you something. In scripture it says, Jesus became sin. Jesus became sin for us. Let me put that into perspective. How many of you, when you see like sex trafficking documentaries and little girls are trafficked and you see those predators, how many of you have violent thoughts? Violent, despicable acts that you just, when, look, I have Lots of violent thoughts when I see that. But it says in scripture that Jesus became sin. All of that vile and detestable and despicable stuff. He became that and took on the wrath of God. Think about it. If we feel that angry towards that act, can you imagine how God in his holiness and justice feels about the sin of this world? That the wrath of God came upon his own son. That he would experience that wrath, death, and he would die upon that cross. For who? For who? For you and for me. The wrath of God came upon the son of God. That we would have life. That Jesus would take our place. Can you imagine this love? What kind of love is this? What kind of supernatural love is this? What kind of love would have the Son, the King of kings and Lord of lords, die on that cross for us? If God did not spare his own Son, whom shall we be afraid of? When we're facing trials and difficulties, 
illnesses, sickness, if God did not spare his own son, who can be against us? Let's read this scripture in verse 37. If God did not spare his own son, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. If God did not spare his own son, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, if God did not spare his own son, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's give him praise this morning. Let's give him praise this morning. He is worthy of our praise. If God did not spare his own son, I can face the troubles, the trials of today because he's with me. He is a good God. So whether the good, the bad, or the ugly of our lives, we know that God is working and we can trust the one who did not spare his own son. I don't understand this love, but I'm learning every day, every day. And God's transforming your life and our lives to be conformed to the image of God. And so if you are in need today and you're struggling today, would you trust him and hold fast to him because he's worthy of our trust. If God did not spare his own son, whom shall we be afraid of? Would you stand with me? Let's all stand for a moment. I'm gonna ask the keyboards to come back. Would you bow your heads for a moment? I don't know what you're going through this morning, what the trials are. I want you to know this morning that God will never leave you or forsake you. He loves you. And sometimes it's so hard to understand through our own vision what God is doing. But you can trust him. You can trust him. We're passing through this world and we're going to be in eternity with God. God wants to do something incredible in your life, something supernatural. And he's doing it. But oftentimes he's going to demonstrate his supernatural workings through the natural. Whatever you're going through, he will show you. So would you bow your heads and open your hands and in front of you, would you begin to thank God for his love? To say, Lord, whatever I'm going through, would you trust him and surrender your life to him? Would you say to God this morning, Lord, I trust you, I love you because you first loved me. And if I've ever doubted you, if I've ever felt like you've forsaken me today by your spirit, would you remind me in my heart that you are with me? Lord, I pray this morning. Touch your people. Touch your people. Would you just begin to thank God this morning? Would you just pray out loud in your own prayer, in your own tongue? Would you just seek the presence of God to say, Lord, I trust you with my life. I trust you. You are worthy of my trust. If you did not spare your own son to die for us, whom shall we be afraid of? What can I not face today? Nothing will be able to separate me from your love. Jesus, Jesus, all over this room, let's make this a house of prayer right now. Would you seek him right now? 
Furoriera Bandrutos, Sierra Bandrutos, Sierra Bandrutos, Sierra.